In Ephesians chapter 3, we'll pick up in verse 14. Is, this is our main text that we're, we're talking. Then we'll springboard from here and go into what the Lord has for us today. Paul said this by the Spirit of God. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Now notice this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice the 17th verse where it says that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Now, it's, if you know anything about trees, the root system goes down just as deep as the tree goes high. But before the tree grows high, it grows a root system. Okay? It grows a root system because the root system is what holds those trees in place when winds and adversity come against it, and the, 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 uh, the, the root system actually holds it in place, okay? Unless there's like a tornado or something like that. But we're just talking normal winds and things like that. And the Bible says that we are to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Now look, that as a two-pronged two thing. You know, like a, a quarter has two sides. A nickel has two sides. First of all, we have to understand, this is what we're talking about, rooted and grounded in how much God loves us, okay? And then the, other, the flip side of that coin is us walking in love towards other people, okay? But so often people have tried to walk in love towards other people. As Christians, we're supposed to do that. But if we don't have a full revelation and understanding of the love that God has to us, then it's impossible for us to give out. Remember Peter said this at the man of the gate, beautiful, he says, such as I have, give I thee. Remember that? Well, if he didn't have it, he couldn't give it. You can't give something that you don't have. And so we're talking about the, and the, and the revelation from God's word. And I tell you, the Lord put this strong in my heart many weeks ago, over two months ago, about this is the most important subject that anybody could ever learn. Amen. And I'll tell you what, we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Amen. But I'll tell you what, the Lord didn't stop giving when he gave his son. He gives to us on a regular daily basis. Amen. I, I had this come up in my spirit last night. I was praying in the spirit and meditating on the word of God. And the spirit of God just rose up on the inside of me. And he said this, he said, Keith, everything I do is based on my love for you. Everything. Even his correction. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Amen? Now it doesn't say beateth. Okay? But God corrects us with his love, with his word. Okay? So everything, I never really thought about it till, till last night, that everything that God tells us is for our benefit to bless us and to make things better for us. Amen. 
And I'm so thankful for that because everything that God says to us is always going to be for our benefit because He is looking out for your and my benefit, always. Amen? And so that's why it's so important to flow with Him and, and walk with Him. Glory to God. That's what we're going to talk about next Sunday at Healing School, about how to flow with the Holy Spirit. It's really important. And it's not complicated. Do you know you can be saved for five minutes and learn right then and there how to flow with the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, you don't have to go to seminary and have four years of college and a, and a seminary degree to learn how to flow with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, if you know Christ and He's in your life, you can learn how to flow with Him just like that. But I will say this, the main flow, I don't want to give too much away, amen, but the main flow of the Spirit of God is the love of God. Okay? There's a scripture over in 2 John. I, I forgot to find it at this point, but maybe somebody could find it. I believe it's in 2 John. Okay, there's 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And it talks about being guided and led by love. Okay? If any of you Bible scholars would try to find that for me this morning, let me know when you find it. Amen? About being guided and led by love in 2 John. Because that's really important. Hallelujah. And so, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So whenever you get, somebody finds that scripture, let me know. And I'll, you know, bring that up, bro? Okay. And this is love, look, look at this. This is love that we walk after His commandments. And this is the command that you also heard from, from the beginning that you should walk in it. Next verse. For the many deceivers enter into the world, confess not that you... No, that's not the one. No. Talks about being guided and led by love. Okay. It might even be in the Amplified Translation, I don't know. Anyway, we'll move right along here. Okay, but it talks about being guided by love, all right? So if we're going to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit, learn how to flow with Him, uh, the main way He does flow is with love, amen? Praise God. And so uh, we've talked about, you know, how much God loves us, you know, that there's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. We've talked about that God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. And then thirdly, we begin to talk about, uh, begin to confess God's love for us, begin to speak it out loud. And while I'm on that, let's go over to... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8. In the Amplified Translation. Okay, did you find that? Yeah, there it is. Okay, praise the Lord. Here it is up here, the scripture I was referring to in 2 John. And, and, and what does this love consist is this, that we live and walk in accordance with and guided by His commandments, His orders, His ordinances, his precepts and teaching. Amen? As you have heard from the beginning. Notice that we're to be guided, walk in love, guided by it, following it. Okay? So people have the question, how can I be led by the Lord? Follow after love. Be guided by love. What would love do? You know, many years ago, there was a bracelet that came up. People were wearing them. WWJD, what would Jesus do? Actually, they should make a new one. What would love do? Okay, because love will always answer difficult questions. What would love do? Because that's what God would do. Amen? This is not rocket science. This is the basic Christianity that we learn how to walk in this love. Amen? 
But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 in the Amplified, I want to bring out something here today. I'm really excited about this because it's just so important. It says that love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist in its own rights or its own way. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy, fretful, resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Verse 7. Love bears up under everything and anything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best in every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Verse 8. Love never fails. Oh, say love never fails. <laughs> now people can fail, but love never fails. Now it may look like you're failing sometimes, but I'll tell you the end result. Love never ever fails. Because if love could fail, then God could fail. Right? Love never fails, never fades out, never becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, well, we'll stop right there because it talks about in, in the future, in heaven, there's no need for prophecy in tongues, interpretation of tongues. Okay? Because we'll be right there. You know what I'm saying? But these things are for the right now, for the, for the here and now on the earth. Now, we brought up the fact, fact last week uh, about understanding, understanding the love of God and begin to confess and I think when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, you get a clear picture of, of God. Okay? Now, does the Bible not say in 1 John, it says that God is what? God is love, right? It also says God is light. That God is love. God doesn't have love. He is love. Okay? So, when you talk about God... You can substitute the word God for love. Okay? And God and love are one and the same. When it says love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. We saw this last week. You can actually say God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Now, this is based on the Amplified, right? God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. God never fails. Let's go over to, to Romans 5, verse 5, real quick. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I want to show you something here. When you received Jesus and Jesus came into your heart and you made him the Lord of your life, you did not just get. Now, it's important. You got forgiveness of sins. That's important. But if he would have left you in that condition, you would have filled it back up again. Okay? He did forgive your sins, but it had to be more than that. He made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Remember that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5? 17, therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he's a what? New creature. Yeah. Old things have passed away and everything has become 
brand new. Say, I'm a new creature. Okay? So you, are, you're a new, you don't just have forgiven sins. You are a new creature. But here's the other thing. This, this scripture says in Romans 5, it says that hope makes not a shame because the love of God, notice that the love of God, not human love, the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts. That's your spirits. Notice this, by the Holy Ghost, which He hath given unto us. Now, when the Holy Ghost moved into your life, something else came with that love. The love of God. The love of God has been shed abroad. In other words, totally made complete in you. How? By the Holy Spirit, which He hath given unto us. I like to say that the Holy Spirit's the life of the party. Without the Holy Spirit, you've got dead religion. It's just boring. Ugh. Now, I've sat through a number of sermons in my early years that were so boring, a minute felt like an hour. When I was in my dead traditional church growing up, you know, and it was just, there was no revelation. Nobody was being born again. The pastor didn't even believe in the new birth. Okay? Thank God he got out of the ministry. Because he would read more from like Reader's Digest and things like that, you know, and just, just an educational talk, therapeutic. That I'll tell you, it was the most boring thing you've ever seen in your life. I'm telling you, it was so boring. Amen? It's kind of like watching those trials this week. <laughs> boring. <laughs> if you saw any of that. But I'm not suggesting that you do, but people said it was really boring. That's right. There's no life. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, He brings life. Life. Someone said, if you just have the Word of God, you'll dry up. If you just have the Holy Ghost, you'll blow up. But if you have the Word and the Spirit, you grow up. Okay? So we need the both. We need the Word of God and we need the Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. Okay? And that, that's why it's so important to learn how to flow with Him because He brings life to anything that's dead. He quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. He's the life of the party. and He'll bring life into your marriage. He'll bring life into your relationship. He'll bring life into your body. He'll bring life into your job. He'll bring life. He's the author of it. But the Holy Ghost has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Notice this. Which has been given to us. Say, I have the Holy Ghost. Do you believe it? Yes. I have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Some of us on the negative side, people say, man, they're possessed with the Spirit. I said, yeah, I've got a Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and the only ghost that's allowed in my house is the Holy Ghost. Amen? <laughs> Amen? Because He's not going to hurt you. He's going to help you. Ghost just means Spirit. Okay? The Spirit of God. Not like Casper the Friendly Ghost or something like that. You understand? But we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So God is patient. God is kind. And that, that's His attitude towards you and towards me. Amen? Did it ever occur to you that, you know, sometimes, have you ever tried to be patient with certain people in your life and it's just, you're on your last nerve with that? Have you ever had that happen? And you're like, mm, is that the straw that's going to break the camel's back, as they say, you know? But th stop and think about it. 
how hard it is for us to put up sometimes with certain individuals, certain personalities, when God himself is putting up with all of us on the earth at the same time and never steps outside the boundaries of love. Never steps outside those boundaries, ever. You talk about the patience of God. People talk about the patience of Job. I'll tell you, the God's patience. My God. My goodness. The patience of God. The love of God. Hallelujah. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 5. And I want to show you, this is where we're going to get in this new territory here today. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you want to have a successful life as a believer, your life has to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Amen? Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. Amen? If, if we love God, we're going to want to do what He... It's not even a burden. His commandments are not grievous. If we love Him, we'll want to please Him. We'll want to do what's pleasing to Him. Amen? Now, in, in Galatians chapter 5... We look at, let's pick up in verse 13. And I want to show you something here. For brethren, you have not been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but to love, serve one another. Notice that phrase, love, serve one another. For all, verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You notice that? All the law, all the Ten Commandments, and all the other commandments beside the Ten, there's a lot of other commandments too, are all fulfilled in this one word, love. Verse 15 says, But if you, uh, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed with one another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, okay, and you shall not fulfill the lust or the, fle- the desires of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Now that's not the Holy Spirit there. It's talking about your human spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's not wrestling with the, the flesh. It's our human spirits. Okay? Verse 17. For the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another that you cannot do the things that you would. But if, if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Notice that. Verse 19. For the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Here's the works of the flesh. Here's a list. Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. That means uncontrolled thoughts. Verse 20. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Variance. Emulations. Wrath. Strife. Seditions. Heresies. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, of such like of which I tell you before as I have told you in the time past that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God or practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, now that's the fruit of the flesh. Let's look at this in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay? The fruit of of the born again, recreated human spirit is love. Now, when you got saved, let's go back for a second here. When you got saved, you were introduced to nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine. Okay? 
at the new birth, at the well of salvation, when you got born again, your spirit man is now open to these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. All these things, these nine uh, fruits of the spirit that are mentioned here, they're in you at the new birth. Now, they, of course, they have to be developed. Okay? But I, I want to use this illustration this morning. Right here we have an orange. Okay? There's actually only one fruit of the Spirit. And I want to show you something here. Okay? Now remember we said in 1 Corinthians that love is patient. Right? Isn't patience part of this list right here? Love is patient. Love is kind. Right? But actually, when you got born again, what happened? You got love. Okay? Now, we know that this orange, you can take the skin off. I'm not going to do that right now. But you can take the skin off and you can break it apart. And this, this orange has different sections in it, doesn't it? Did you ever eat one of these before? You peel it apart and then you take it apart. There's different sections. But it's still all the same orange. Okay? And so it is with the love of God. When you got born again, you were baptized in love, okay? Now, for the sake of understanding the breakdown of love, love is patient, love is kind. And all these, all these things here that we're looking at in, in Galatians chapter 5 are all manifestations of love. Actually, patience is one of the manifestations of love, right? Love is patient, love is kind. Kindness is part of the fruit of the Spirit, Okay? So, when you get love, you get patience. Does that make sense? When you get love, you get self-control. When you get love, you get joy and goodness and peace. Notice that the top of the list is love. The fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the born-again human spirit is love. But it's manifest with patience. It's manifest with joy, and it's manifest with peace. I believe that in 2020, people talk about, I never thought of this till now, but people talk about 2020 vision. What's that best kind of vision you can have, right, according to medical science, right? 20, you got 2020 vision, you're doing well, okay? Well, this is the year 2020 coming up, and I believe that God is going to, going to make our spiritual vision so crystal clear that we're not going to miss anything. We're going to be able to see clearly in 2020. The spirit of seeing and knowing and understanding where it's not going to be confusion any longer. Confusion will be a thing of the past. But this fruit should and can be developed on the inside of us. Amen? And I'm really thankful for that. Amen? Praise God. You know the Bible teaches us that we're to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now my, my spiritual father, Kenneth E. Hagen, who's in heaven, uh, I shook his hand a couple of times. I never really met him officially. You know what I'm saying? One time we were at a pastor's it is a, is a big gathering in, uh, it, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we were uh, eating, a we had a luncheon, you know, with all the ministers. There were several hundred ministers there, you know. And, and we're, we're just chit-chatting and talking with other people at our table. And all of a sudden, I felt this hand on my shoulder, you know. 
And uh, I thought it was one of our friends there, and I looked up, and it was Brother Hagen. And uh, I thought, well, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know? But, uh, and, and people talk about his, his faith, and it, he did have tremendous faith, but I'll tell you the most outstanding characteristic about Brother Kenneth Hagen was his love. He oozed the love of God. If you've ever heard him or saw him, he literally was a walking man of love. It's the only way I could describe it. Isn't that true, Lynn? And I mean, sometimes he would just, if we hadn't been there for a while, and he would step out on the stage at the first meeting, you know, it would just sometimes make us weep. We'd sit there and just, because you felt, now it wasn't the man. We're not exalting a man. It was the love that was, the spirit that was in him, the love that was in him. Okay? And, it, and it, he didn't have to say too much because his presence carried it. His presence literally carried the love of God. And I, I tell you what, it was such an awesome privilege for me back in those days in the early 80s to sit at his feet spiritually and, and to hear this man of God when he was in the prime of his ministry. I mean to tell you, it, that's one of the greatest privileges I've ever had on this earth. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't just learn by words, you catch someone's spirit. Okay? And that's what's important. You catch a man's spirit. And that's why the Apostle Paul said things like this. He goes, he goes I, I, I want to see you in the flesh. Amen? I want to see you in the flesh. He wrote letters. They're important. We can read those letters and are blessed by them. In some cases, Paul says... I want to see you in the flesh. I want to see you in the flesh. And I know this just, just from pastoring even. That when people avail themselves to be here in the flesh, people say sometimes, you know, joking around, say, you know, like, I'm with you in spirit, but I can't come this morning. Well, they're not really with us in spirit because they're not here. You understand what I mean? But... If you, if you see somebody in the flesh, there's a connection. Now, sometimes, sometimes God will even change the course of my message when I see somebody in the flesh because the Spirit of God is leading me and guiding me and directing me to say things that if you weren't here, then that probably wouldn't happen. Does that make sense? But there's, there's a connection. There's a connection that's there when we see each other. I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. There's a connection. And that's why the devil tries his best to try to sever that connection. And only show up once in a blue moon and so forth and so on. You're never going to get, you're never ever going to get the fullness of what God has for you. Seeing it, sitting at home, fellowshipping with Brother Sheets and Sister Pillow. It'll never happen. Okay? But sometimes the flesh just wants to stay home. It just wants to take it easy. You know, the flesh doesn't want to do those things sometimes. But... That's why it's important to say, you know, flesh, you're going to obey me today. You're going to do what the Bible says. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you all with me now? And Paul says, I wanted to see you in the flesh that I might impart some spiritual gift to you. Amen? There's been countless times through the years of ministering, thousands, now thousands of times through the years in different congregations and different settings and different situations that, that I, had, I had my message prepared. I had things prepared, what God would have for me. And you know, you do your part, you study, you pray. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I come into the room and I start to minister. 
And I feel the pull of the Spirit of God coming over in a different direction to help have me say something that I didn't prepare to say. Now I've learned to go with the flow with that because my mind doesn't know everything. My mind doesn't know everything that you're going through. I really don't know unless you tell me, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes it's better that if I don't know. Because if I address something to you by the Spirit of God when you didn't talk to me, it's better because the Holy Spirit will address that in your life and set you free. And that way, that way you know it's not by might, not by power. See, if you came up to me and told me something and then I addressed it in the pulpit or something like that, a same, similar problem, you might think, well, that's because I talked to Brother Keith. Okay? And so you kind of rule it out. But if you hadn't said nothing to me, you hadn't said a word to me, and I addressed that by the Spirit of God in the room, in the church service, then you know it was not by my might, not by my power, but by the Spirit of God that He supernaturally addressed your situation because He loves you. Amen? Tell me, I can't tell you how many times I've been myself in meetings where through the years where I sit under these different ministers and men and women of God and they'll address things that, that I need, that, I'm, that I need right then and there. Hagen used to say it like this. He goes, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel led to say this. And sometimes he'd come over and stand right by my section or something, you know. And, and Brother Copeland, the same thing. And they would say things. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. The good shepherd just led. Amen? I know Brother Copeland, just even, not even two years ago, he came over and... Uh, he came off the stage, walked down, he was ministering to somebody, and he was, as he was walking by, he went over and put his hand right on my chest, right here. Yes. Just took a second or two. He put his hand right on my chest and blessed me. And if you've been here, you know I had some challenges in that particular area with my heart. Okay? But that's the prophetic anointing saying, it's going to be all right. God reads your mail. He knows what you're going through. Amen? Now stop and think about it. If we all come in with that kind of thirst and hunger, we come into a service. And I think it, we need to teach that more because sometimes it's, it's been kind of a lost art through the years. But we need to learn to come into church thirsty and hungry for, for God to touch us and speak to us and minister to us and not treat it lightly. Amen. Amen? Because God wants to move. See, God wants to move in everybody's life, but they have to have the heart, the open heart and the openness to be able to do that. Okay? But you're here. Praise the Lord. You have an open heart, right? Okay, so this fruit, this fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, joyfulness, all these different things. Joy. Love. Notice what comes after love. Joy. Okay? Well, do we need joy? It's kind of interesting. You know, the, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul said wrote a letter from a jail, Philippian jail. He was in jail. Someone said he might have been in jail, but the jail wasn't in him. And Paul was in jail, not for peddling drugs or anything like that. He was there because he was persecuted for preaching the gospel. And he wrote a letter that I just read yesterday, the book of Philippians, four chapters. And the word joy or joyfulness is used 16 times in the book of Philippians. Interesting. Joy, read it. It's, it's just, it'll, you can underline it. It's just, wow, there's a bunch of places just in four chapters in Philippians where he uses the word joy, joyful, or joyfulness. You are my crown, you are my joy, you know. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, Philippians 3, 3. 
And, and, and yet he was writing that from a prison cell. Interesting. He was reading that, writing that from jail. Okay? Now, which tells me you don't have to be in the perfect environment to have joy. You can be in a rough situation but still have joy because that joy is not dependent on what's surrounding you, the natural. That joy is based on God and on the Holy Spirit. Amen? Joy, joy, joy. We used to sing a song way back in the 70s. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. <laughs> Remember that? And uh, boy, there's some truth to that. Amen? Joy, I've got joy, peace. Praise the Lord. Now you can be patient. You can be developed in one part of the love of God, patient, but not have joy. I may, I've mentioned this from time to time, but when I first got saved, I took my Christianity so serious that I forgot one major part, and that was joy. Man, I was serious about God, spending time with God, and my wife mentioned when we first met, she goes, I was getting to think maybe you didn't have teeth. She said, I said, what? I was kind of offended at that, you know? <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? She, got, she said that it, 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 did some, it stirred something in me. I'm like, have I left out one of the most important things? Because I, I, so, I was a firstborn. I was an accomplisher, you know. I was the firstborn in my family. I was a typical firstborn, and I would strive and do things, and you know, just try to get everything in line. You know what I'm saying? But and I, but it, it, I left one of the most important elements out of my Christianity until she said something. It was kind of funny, but yet at the same time, I'm like, yeah, she's right. Okay, I need to let the joy of the Lord rise up on the inside of me. Amen. We're not talking about just happy, happy, happy. We're talking about joy. Joy. You ought to enjoy life. We should enjoy church. We should enjoy our Christianity. And if we're not enjoying it, we're not doing it right. Amen? Because I'm talking walking with God. What better life is there than walking with Him? Well, bless the Lord. Walking with the Father, he's walking with me. I can have joy everywhere I go. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you, Lord Jesus. Now, this, this interesting about this love walk is that go to Romans uh, chapter 13. I want to show you this in closing today. In Romans chapter 13. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, this will kind of go along with what we read in, in, in uh, Galatians, okay? It's saying the same thing. Verse 9. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. He's reading the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfilling of the whole law. You see, I don't have to worry ever again about keeping the Ten Commandments or breaking any of the Ten Commandments 
See, if I'm walking in love, I'm not going to tell a lie about you. I'm not going to bear false witness about you. I'm not going to steal from you. You see that? He said, the whole, the whole thing is summed up in this. If you love one another, you've already fulfilled the whole thing. That's why Jesus said, a new commandment that I give unto you. That you love one another even as I have loved you. So you don't have, sin is not even an issue here because if you're walking in the love of God, you're not going to break any of the commandments that are given to curb sin. You with me? And so this love is a powerful thing. This love will guide you. It'll direct you. It'll lead you. Now, when I say this, you understand there's going to be plenty of room to practice these things in life. How many of you know that? There's going to be plenty of situations. You know that just being in the earth. And there are, there are human beings walking all over this earth that are not led by the Spirit of God, that are not walking after God. They're led by their flesh. They're led by their senses. Okay? And, uh, but we're not in that category. We're, we're, we're walking in the Spirit. Really, you know, a simple, simple way to look at it is like this. When we say walking in the Spirit, the Bible says walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Sometimes it just, it's like an unspoken thing. People think, if I'm walking in the Spirit, that means I'm kind of like floating about three feet above everybody else. And I'm saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah all the time. I'm in the Spirit. Okay? But actually, being in the Spirit isn't some mystical thing. It's just walking in love. Walking in love. And so that's why it's important to identify the love of God inside your heart, when it says God is patient, God is kind, you can put your name in there and say, I am patient, I am kind, I am not envious, I do not boil over with jealousy. If someone else is blessed, I rejoice in that. And I really mean that too. Because if you get exalted, that's like me being exalted. And if you hurt, I hurt. Okay? Because love has that same concern. Doesn't it, doesn't it not? Praise the Lord. So this love has been shed abroad. When it says the love, first Romans 5, 5 says, For the love of God has been shed abroad. The love of God. That's talking about the agape love of God. And as we brought out the last week or two, this is the Greek word for God's love, agape. Okay? Now, I've heard that name for years, many, many years ago when I first got saved. Agape, agape, okay, well, what's that? It's the God kind of love. And like we said in our English language, we're so, it's so limited because we say, I love uh, cheesecake. I love that restaurant. I love my dog. I like my goldfish. I love my cat. And I love you, sweetheart. But hopefully you're... The love for your wife or your husband is different than your love for your dog or cat. Okay? Are you with me? <laughs> All right? I mean, I, I love my dog, but I'll tell you what, I don't love her like I love my wife. Okay? It's good to know that, isn't it? <laughs> Especially when she wakes up at 1 o'clock a.m. and wants to go outside and wakes everybody up in the house. You can walk in love towards your dog, right? That's what happened last night. 
<laughs> She's in that puppy stage, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> got to go now, got to go now. Wake, wake the whole house up, you know what I'm saying? But God's love, agape, is what's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And just, just being aware of that, because there's no fear in love. Stop and think about it the times that we say something. And I know because I've done this myself. Stop and think about the times that we've said things and done things because we were afraid. When Adam hid himself, he said to the Lord, I, it was because I was afraid. I hid myself when he sinned, right? And so instead of running to God, he ran away from God. Okay? And sometimes when we're in fear, fear will manifest itself. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fear will manifest itself in the form of, of worry, okay, uh, anger. Sometimes we get angry at somebody because we step out of love and then we say something that's hurtful because we're in fear, okay? Actually, anger is really a manifestation. Now, there is a, there is a righteous indignation, okay? But I'm talking about in the flesh, when we step out and we get afraid, then we say things and we do things all because it's just based on fear. But there's no fear in love. Perfect love will cast out fear. Praise God. Amen. See, if I'm worrying about something, then I can get short-tempered with other people. Because I know I've been there and done it. Okay? If I get worried about something, then I'm not able to operate in the, in the fullness of the love of God and the patience of God and the joy of God because it's taken away. So we need to become love conscious. Say, I am patient. I am kind. I am not envious. I do not boil over with jealousy. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. The love of God, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Now remember this analogy that I gave you this morning. This orange is symbolic of the love of God. But if you break it apart into sections... It's one orange, but it can break into sections. That's just like the love of God. You take it apart. Part of that is patience. Part of that is kindness. Part of that is joy. These are all fruit of the Spirit. So you're baptized in the love of God. And that's why Paul would say things in his letters like, he said, I want you to be developing and develop in the fruits of righteousness. Develop in the fruits of the Spirit. Develop in those things. Praise God. And you know, here's something else. Do you know fruit is never grown for the benefit of the tree? Somewhere, probably down in Florida somewhere, this, this orange grew, okay? But it, when this orange grew, it wasn't for its own benefit. It was so that it could be plucked off and given to be eaten by somebody else. And the fruit that you and I develop, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, is never just for our own benefit only. It's for the benefit of other people saying, I want that. I see something on you that I'm not developing, but I want that. I want that love. I want that patience. I want that. Okay? Amen? And so let people come and pick that fruit off of you. Amen? You don't even have to go around advertising that you're a Christian. You don't have to have the bumper sticker saying, I'm a Christian and I'm proud of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> doesn't make sense anyway. I'm not criticizing. If you have a bumper sticker, don't, don't get me wrong. Okay? But we don't want to just lean on that. I mean, our advertisement really is not by what we say. It's how we act. It's how we act. There's an old Chinese proverb that says this. What we are speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Okay? What you are speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. I'll close with this, this story uh, today. Many years ago, I don't know how many years it's been, probably 15 years, maybe more than that. We took a little vacation. We went down to the ocean to go to the beach, my family and I. And we were eating at this local uh, seafood place, Sharky's by name. It's called Sharky's at Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. Beautiful little place on the side of the, the backwaters, you know. Just a really cool little place. <laughs> Got to go back there. And uh, we were eating there, and there was a rainstorm that moved through. Now, in the south, in the, in the Carolinas, they have these ditches on the side of the road and there because there's nowhere for the water to run off. Like up here, you've got mountains and streams and hills and all this. But in the south, everything's just flat, okay? So when it rains real hard, everything just floods out. <laughs> the roads have like this much water on them, you know what I mean? And then the sides of the roads, it's, it's even worse. But there was a lady that was there that was from, actually from New York City. She was a Jewish lady. And... Uh, we were eating in this, she was eating at the same restaurant we were eating in, and she happened to be staying in the same hotel that we were staying in at that time. And when she was leaving the restaurant, she left a little bit before we did, and then we walked out. When we walked out, she had driven her car into a ditch. It was a pretty good-sized ditch, and she got stuck there. She got hung up, okay? And her two front wheels were, I mean, the bottom of her car was laying flat on the ground, okay, because her wheels went over this embankment, you know, so... They had a tower. They had to get her out and bring a tow truck in there and pull her out, you know. And, and so, so I remember vividly that we went up to her and said, is there anything we can do to help, you know? And I remember talking to her. I don't remember everything that was said, but I remember reaching out to her. I felt bad for her, you know. And finally someone came and, you know, got her out of there, you know. And I didn't think twice about it, but I remember it was like the next day or two, one or two days after that incident, I ran into her at the same uh, complex that we were staying at at the ocean, right? We were on vacation. And, uh, and I'm coming up these set of steps, you know, these uh, three or four flight steps. She was coming down. She goes, she goes, you're the one that was at the restaurant the other night. I go, I go yeah, yeah. I didn't know she was staying there until we met on the, in the uh, complex, right? So I kept, I kept running into her a couple of times that week. And she stopped me and she goes, she goes, what is, a, what is it about you? She said that, and I barely know her. I've met her, her and her husband. Her husband actually was in a wheelchair, you know, and an older couple. And she, like I said, they're a Jewish couple. As far as I know, they don't know Jesus as Messiah. But I ran into her again. We kept running into each other. And then, and then uh, after the second or third time when I ran into her, she said, what is it about you? And I'm thinking, is it good or bad? I'm thinking this, you know. But she was kind of smiling, so I said, okay, what's, I don't know what she means. She goes, what is it about you? I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, you're just so nice, you know? And I'm thinking, I'm just being me. I'm not, like, putting on, like, I'm going to be nice now and all this. I'm just, 
folks, the way you see me here is the same way you'll see me back at home. Okay? I'm not two different people. I'm not the same. I'm not different up in the pulpit than I am at home. Okay? Or with other people in the street. Because this, this is my lifestyle. I, love, I live this way. Okay? I'm a pastor 24-7, not just when I'm in the pulpit, but everywhere I go. Okay? And it's such a joy, and it's, it's enthusiastic for me to live for Christ and to, to, to live right with Him, walking with Him, and then let other people see and pick off the fruit. Okay? Now, I was able to tell her in the course of the conversation I told her about Jesus. I said, the only, the only thing you're seeing in me is the Jesus that lives on the inside of me. I said, because before that, I wasn't a nice person. I wasn't a good person. I was a sinner, you know. And I began, it just began to really dawn on me the fact that people are watching. People are looking. I had no idea, but she was even paying attention. I had no idea. But maybe, maybe it could be, just stop and think about this, how many people come in contact with people on the, in the world every day that they come across somebody that really cares and they're really kind, okay? And even, even smiling at people, showing kindness. You know, you can look at a perfect stranger, you've never met them, and you could smile at them, you know, just a sincere smile. Amen? And you can reap some benefits from that. Because other people, they're wanting what you have. Hallelujah. Now, she could have just passed that off, not said a word about it. But, you know, it did something to me. It helped me to know that what seemingly small effort that I even made, which I was unconscious of, really went a long way to understand that, you know, your influence, because that's just who I am. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the Jesus that lives on the inside of me, right? I'm not perfect. But he is. But the fruit, people are looking for people that are joyful, that are happy. Amen? Why, why would someone be attracted to Christianity if you're sad and depressed all the time? Okay? If I'm, if I'm depressed and I'm sad all the time, I don't think anybody's going to want what I have. Hello? But if I'm happy and I'm joyful... I'm not talking about giddy, you know what I'm saying, like a put on. I'm talking just just being yourself. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. People ask me sometimes, and I mean it sincerely, they'll say, how you doing? And I'll say, as I feel led, I'll say, I'm doing tremendous. I'm talking to you. And I'll say that sometimes. They're like, oh, okay. You know? Uh, And that's the way God, God doesn't just tolerate you. He celebrates you. He doesn't tolerate you, like put up with you. He celebrates you. If that's the way God treats you, then we can do that with other people. And not pick out fault-finding, little faults that everybody has. Pick out the good stuff. Pick out some good things. If there's one quality in that person that's good, amplify that. Amplify that. Don't pick out the nitpicky little things that are get on your nerves, you know, about your, especially your family members. But pick out good things and say, you know, I appreciate. I don't know how I said that, but you know, 
pick out the good things about that person, that husband, that wife, that son, that daughter, whoever may be that's in that situation, and amplify the good things in their life. There used to be a song written years ago called Accentuate the Positive and Eliminate the Negative. Anybody heard that song before? Okay, and uh, there's a story that goes with that. I don't have time, but, you know, basically... The guy, his father had so many medical bills. His name was Hobie Carmichael, I think his name was. And, uh, and he vowed that he was going to pay off his father's debt, you know. So he, he was a musician. He created a song called Accentuate the Positive, Eliminate the Negative. It's probably back in the 50s. The, the royalties off of that song more than, more than paid for the debt that occurred in that family. Amen. But there's a truth to that because when we accentuate the positive, we'll eliminate the negative. Okay, so do that. Practice doing that with your family members. Use your mouth not as a sword, but as a a way of encouragement. Okay, praise God. Does everybody need encouragement once in a while? Am I the only one? I'd love encouragement. I love encouraging other people, but I also sometimes I need encouragement too. I do. Sometimes I need encouragement. Sometimes it seems like, whoa, it's been a long time. You know what I mean? But sometimes if I ask the Lord, say, Father, I need encouragement. I'm not going to figure out who it's going to be, but I need someone in the flesh to encourage me. We all do, don't we? And sure enough, God will send somebody or use somebody that may be not even aware of the situation. They'll say something that will just make my day. Amen? Glory to God. I tell you, my wife, the closest thing on the earth to me is my wife other than Jesus, you know. All it takes is her to say one thing to me that's positive and encouragement, that's got me going for a whole week. It's that powerful. Just one word of encouragement, one positive affirmation. It's like, we're going to have a good week here. Amen? So just don't underestimate the power of just one little phrase or one little word, something that you can say to encourage that person, you know, in, in, in your household, wherever you're at. Okay? And, and you'll be amazed at how... It'll go the distance. They used to say uh, one biting, stinging word can last for weeks. You know what I'm saying? A negative word can last for weeks. It can affect, but let's just flip that around and just say, I'm going to say something that's going to edify you, that's going to build you up, that's going to encourage you. Amen. I don't think we need a Greek scholar to figure that one out, do we? Or a Hebrew scholar. Let's just, Father, we just, just open up your heart for a minute here. Father, we open up our hearts. We open up our hearts. We open up our spirits right now, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. You know, the gift of prophecy, the simple gift of prophecy in the Bible, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14, is given unto men for three purposes. For edification, 
exhortation, and comfort. What is, what is prophecy? Prophecy is an inspired utterance in your known tongue. Something you feel inspired to say. Okay? It doesn't just start out with, thus saith the Lord. It can. But sometimes you just feel compelled to say something. Impressed to say something. Which all of you have here in this room. Amen? That's the spirit of prophecy. You just didn't, maybe you didn't know it. Has anybody here ever felt compelled to say something to somebody here? I felt like, you know, I need to give somebody a call. I need to encourage them, you know. What is that? That's the spirit of prophecy. Okay? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so when that, when that true gift of prophecy is in manifestation, it doesn't just come with a thus saith the Lord. It can, but sometimes you're unconsciously led by the Holy Spirit to say something, and it just, you just feel compelled to say it. But it's nothing spectacular. It's just, it just came to me, that kind of a thing. Don't underestimate, don't underestimate that. It's so powerful. Amen? I remember one day I was in a, a grocery line and I was checking out some groceries and um, and there was a lady that was she was the, the, the cashier and she was checking checking out things and and uh, and as I, as my food was coming up to the, that point you know where you pay and everything like that you know I felt compelled now I normally don't do this but I felt compelled in a pure-hearted manner to tell her how, how nice her hair was okay now, sometimes people can say that in a, in a lustful way, in a bad way. That was not the case here, okay? It was, it was, I just felt compelled to say, you know, your hair looks really nice. You know what I mean? You would have thought I handed her a million dollars. She was like, wow, thank you so much. You know what I mean? So I don't know what that meant to her, but it did something to her, okay? Now, to say I had a vision, no. Did an angel appear to me and tell me to do that? No. But I just felt love coming out of me because I've been praying in the spirit talking to God and so forth I'm just in flow with him even in the grocery store right that's where we need the Holy Spirit in those areas in the, in the marketplaces in the grocery stores in the stores in the, the hallways and things like that and uh, now I didn't say thus saith the Lord your hair looks beautiful <laughs> she'd be like okay <laughs> what planet did you come from Okay? <laughs> now I'm talking about how to flow with the supernatural here, okay? We're always looking for the spectacular, but we miss the supernatural. Okay? But you, God can put one thing in your heart and you say to that person, there's no reason, even from this moment forward, as we walk out these doors here in just a minute here, why we can't allow that spirit to manifest itself throughout the week. And it will. I guarantee you, it will in your lives. We just look for opportunities. There's no shortage of ministry opportunities. There's tons of people, in case we haven't realized that. Everywhere we go, there's people. Okay? But when I become more God conscious and more love conscious, I, 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 I'm, more, I'm less concerned about me and I'm more concerned about other people. It's the most liberating thing that there is to get me off my mind and to get you on my mind because we're to bear one another's burdens. That's fulfilling the whole law. Okay? 
So let's just, let's just allow the Spirit of God to, to work through us this week as we leave here. You know, and, and, and you'll know. You will know. And you'll feel compelled. You'll feel impressed to just say something or do something for someone that might seem like a small thing, but it can go miles. Amen? Hallelujah. Years and years, 19, uh, I remember it was 1986, we started our first church. We were going through some really uh, challenging situations at the time. We were in our early 20s at that point. And, uh, and I remember it was in the it was like in the it was in the summer spring that kind of weather you know and I remember we got home and this is back when we had answering machines, you know now they just do through your phone service but we had an answering machine. And I remember I was dealing with some things, some discouragement, you know. And I came home, and the light was flashing on my answering machine. Somebody had left a message, so we just got home from church. I I played this message because I had some things happen that people tried to take advantage of us and that kind of a thing. You know, it was kind of hurtful at the time. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a guy by the name of Brother Ken. He's a pastor in, in southern Missouri. His name's Ken Strong, okay? And he says, Pastor Keith, this is Brother Ken. I hadn't talked to him in years, you know, since Bible school. And he calls up. He says, I just felt led to encourage you. I, the Lord put you on my heart. And, you know, and he said, and uh, da, 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 da. And you're going to make it. It's going to be all right, you know. And it was like maybe 45-second call call that he, that he left on my machine, I thought, when I listened to that, it was like my spirit was just lifted. I was like, glory to God. God knows what I'm going through. God knows some of the things that I'm facing here. Obviously, I didn't let him know. I hadn't talked to him in, a, in years. But God put it on his heart to send me a message. He might have thought, well, maybe that's just me. But it wasn't just him. It was God through him. And I received that encouragement. It edified me. It exhorted me. It lifted me up. And it gave me courage to face what I was facing with a new light. Does that make sense? So don't underestimate the power of love coming out of your, your mouth and encouraging other people. Amen? You don't have to have a ministry of encouragement. You can decide, I'm going to just let the Spirit of God speak through me. Did you learn some things today? Praise God. You're going to have a great Thanksgiving this week. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we pray over every, every person here that, and even those that couldn't be here today, Lord, we bless them. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you orchestrate this week with each and every one here. May this be such a fruitful, blessed, anointed week for everybody here in this room. And we bless them. We send them out with your blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen.